Hello, and welcome to a Nerdy Book Club. My name is Polly, and this week we are going to be talking about Girl, Serpent, Thorn. Just a warning, this podcast is marked explicit, meaning I sometimes swear and talk about sensitive subjects. If you have any worries about that, you can go and check the show notes for any content warnings. Also, you can check us out on social media by going to our website, cauldroncakesandwine.com. We have all of our social media linked there because we are a Cauldron Cakes and Wine podcast. Also, there are spoilers ahead. I will be talking about Girl, Serpent, Thorn, and there will be spoilers for that book. Before we get started, I just wanted to talk about the uploading schedule and just explain to you guys that I will be doing weekly episodes until the end of June, and then for July and August, it will go to bi-weekly, and then hopefully in September, I will resume regular uploads. We'll see. I just have to... I'm not quite sure fully at about September, but that's what it'll look like for the rest of the summer. Okay, so let's just get right into the book. Like I said, I'm reading Girl, Serpent, Thorn, and I am so excited to talk about this book. Spoiler warning, I fucking loved it. (laughs) The selling point for this book for me was that it was a sapphic fairy tale, and I read the concept, and I just thought it sounded so cool. Oh my god, I... Literally, I had such high expectations for this book, and I feel like it really did pay off. The very first thing that I wanted to say about this book is that it has the most beautiful cover. It has these like pale pink flowers and thorns and then a snake woven through it, like a white snake. It's so pretty. Also, I really like the dedication. It says, to anyone who has ever felt poisonous or monstrous or bristling with thorns. Then there is a quote that says, I am both the sleeping beauty and the enchanted castle. The princess drowses in the castle of her own flesh. Angela Carter of Vampirella, I think. There's a typo in my notes, so let me just look in the book. Yeah, it's um, Angela Carter of Vampirella. We learn that a girl, um, she basically saves a young woman from a div, and as a punishment, the div curses her firstborn daughter to make her poisonous so that anyone who touches her will die. And it's not really explained what a div is right away, but we do learn more later on as the book goes on. I tried to Google it, and I didn't really see many things come up, so... Um, I was a little bit confused about what this sort of like magical creature was, um, but we do learn a lot more about it later on. The girl marries um, and she becomes a queen. She has two twins, one boy and a girl. Then the girl um, kills her nurse when she goes to pick her up. Now she wears gloves and so automatically I was kind of thinking about this woman and her story and things weren't really adding up fully for me. It seems kind of stupid to have children knowing that potentially one of your kids could have like murder hands. The mom does come across as a little bit stupid or suspicious because the book does say that she forgot um, about the day in the wood with the div until she gives birth. And to me, that was an automatic red flag for this woman because I was like, as if you would forget someone like cursing your child. Yeah, seems like a pretty big thing to forget for me. The daughter who is cursed, her name is Soraya. She does not travel with the royal family. She's hidden away um, in Gulfahar, which is a place um, with a palace, basically. 
And there are all of these tunnels that she is able to get around in um, to go from place to place so that people will never really see her. As the royal family comes back into the city, she's watching from above on the roof of the castle and she sees a man and he notices her and he, she wants him to come and find her. Soraya loves to garden and um, she has roses in her garden. Her mother brings her um, roses from different places that they go and the book says she liked to see the roses bloom for the first time in her garden by her own hands it was proof that she could nurture as well as destroy I really liked this quote it's um really setting up her character really well she has this like monstrous curse but is also nurturing and capable of creating and loving Soraya's mother lets her know that her brother is going to be married and Soraya is jealous of the woman that he will marry because she is like loved and adored by so many and she kind of gets what Soraya should have had in her life but also I think you kind of get the impression that she's also she has a very close relationship with this other woman and she's jealous that her brother gets to marry him. When she is feeling jealous, her veins, they run green. They turn into a green color, which I think is really cool. This is how it's described. Her veins have become a dark shade of green. She knew the veins running down her face and neck would turn the same color, spreading over her cheeks into a green web until she calmed down and contained um, the tempest of her emotions. The woman that her brother is going to marry, her name is Lele. They used to be friends, um, but as they got older, the girl had to enter the world of the court and didn't have time to spend with her. There is a celebration and Soraya is watching and she sees the man who noticed her before. And as she's watching, she kind of hears someone come in and it is Lele. I do have to say, um, I am not doing these names any justice at all. I'm really trying my best to pronounce them correctly, but I know that I'm not. The woman in the audiobook reading them, she just, the they are just such pretty names. The way that they kind of roll off the tongue are so beautiful, and I just, I know I'm not doing them justice, so I just really wanted to kind of apologize for that. Um, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you'll know that this is something that I really struggle with, is names. The two girls, they reminisce about their childhood. Lele had once wished that they would be sisters, and Soraya had said maybe they could be married one day when they were older, but Lele kind of laughed about this. And at that moment, I was kind of like, ooh, is this going to be the love interest? But it isn't, so... I was a little worried because I didn't want some weird love triangle between her and her brother. That would have been really weird. While Lele is there, she explains that basically um, her brother was saved from a div and that the div is in the dungeon and um, the man that she's been noticing from the roof, he's the one who saved her brother. They think that maybe the div could save her from her curse. Um, so she goes to speak to her mother and finds out that her mother already knows the div is there but does not want her to speak with it because it will be too dangerous. Soraya sneaks down to the dungeon to go and see the div, but she's found by someone named um, Ramin. He is uh, Lele's brother and he does not like her and he has kept Lele away from her. She really considers killing um, Ramin in this moment, but doesn't. 
um, because she ends up going back to bed. Soraya goes down um, into the celebration. She sees her mother and her brother with Lale and is overwhelmed because they just like look like a really happy family and she knows that she'll never really be a part of that. She then begins to worry about accidentally touching people. She's worried that she might faint as she goes through the crowd until someone comes and puts his arm around her. He is named um, Azad and he is the man that she saw from the roof. The man who brought the div, and he is going to take her back to the castle. She asks him how he knew who she was, and he says that he grew up hearing stories about her. Then he says, do you see now why I recognize you? You're my favorite story. I feel like I've known you a long time, which it's very insta-lovey, and it kind of put me... I found it a little bit off-putting. I really didn't know how to feel about this explanation. And honestly, like if somebody said this to you, you'd be like, what the fuck? (laughs) Ramin shows up and tells Azad to be careful around her. He basically tells him, like, I don't need your advice. And then Soraya tries to cut in saying that this isn't necessary. And Ramin is basically like, I don't need to hear from you sorry, you're not a part of this conversation, which made me hate him so much. This is just such a rude thing to say. Azad hits Ramin, and then there's a big fight. Soraya puts herself between them so that Ramin has to stop. Ramin tells um, Azad about her and her curse. Then she asks Azad if she's still his favorite story, and by this point, I was really, really interested in the story. It had definitely drawn me in a lot, and I also really like the writing style. It's a little bit flowery, but that is something that I really like and it doesn't bother me ever. Azad tells her that she's better than any story. He says that um, he can see her for what she is, beautiful yet deadly. You know, like I said, very insta-lovey, but it was in this like very off-putting way. And I was like, I'm going to ignore it because it's supposed to be a fairy tale and there's lots of fairy tale elements. So this kind of tracks for, you know, a book with fairy tale elements in it. Although there was a part of me that thought maybe he was evil. And I was thinking that it would be, it could really go either way by this point. I was like, it could be either way for him. And, you know, like this man shows up and you're in love with him um, and it's a fairy tale. But then that man ends up being evil. I was like... Hmm, I could see this happening. Like, it's trying to subvert the, like, viewer's expectations. But we will get more into that as the story progresses. So the two of them go into the tunnels, and he's going to help her try and get into the dungeon to see the div. And they find a hidden key, and they basically go in and find the div. This is what the book says about the div. According to the priest, Deves were pieces of the destroyer sent out into the world, given monstrous form from the destroyer so that people could recognize evil when they saw it. Then Soraya thinks about all of these sort of different monstrous depictions of Deves that she's seen, but when she walks up, all that she sees is a girl. You know, because girls are the most monstrous creatures. <laughs> But no, like, actually, I love this. It reminds me of sort of um, themes from, like, movies like Ginger Snaps, where, like, teenage girls become 
like a werewolf and they parallel girlhood with being monstrous and you know being an animal that wants to like rip everything apart if you want to hear more about my thoughts on ginger snaps my best friends um asta and i we have a podcast called the femme flicks podcast it's also a cauldron cakes and wine podcast and we have an episode on that movie i actually think it was our first episode we do talk a lot about um not just ginger snaps in that episode but also in on jennifer's body so if you're interested in either of those you should go and check that out i should be clear it's not that I think girls are monstrous, obviously. It's more that I like these themes because they touch on how girlhood is often demonized and we are made to feel monstrous. Like everything that young girls do or like or dislike is criticized and pulled apart and just we are made to feel like there is something wrong with us. I also just have to say that I really like the imagery, um, this being a young queer woman who is sort of locked away and her touch is is venomous and I think it's a very effective piece of imagery. Um, It's a little bit obvious but this is a young adult novel so that's okay. Sometimes we're a little bit harsh on young adult novels when they just they are what they are and of course it's going to feel a little bit obvious to us as adults but I think it's fine. (laughs) Soraya goes and meets the Deep, and the Deep's name is um, Paravana. She is a Perik, which is a kind of Deep. Periks look the most like humans. Um, Paravana says that Soraya's mother lied to her about how she was cursed, and then a guard comes in and finds them and basically takes Soraya to her brother. Her mother is there, and Um, In front of her mother, her brother tells her that she can't see the Deep again, but then later on when it's just the two of them, basically he says that she should go. Um, There's also this really interesting moment where Soraya looks at her mom and she sees this like flicker of moment where she realizes that her mom has been lying to her. Um, But yeah, as I said later, um, her brother says that she should go back. He wants her to like report information to him and basically say what the Deeves are up to because they've been um, planning something and attacking different areas around. Pervana tells Soraya that um, she will tell her how to lift the curse um, if she gets this like seat, this feather from the royal family. And we learn that this will be a huge betrayal, but Soraya asks if um, she can basically give it to the Deev um, and then if she'll be able to put it back afterwards. And so the Deeb agrees to this. So Sarai's like, it's fine. It's going to be fine. I can just put it back afterwards. There is a moment basically at the end of this interaction um, where Paravana says, you could kill me with a single touch. Why should you ever be afraid of anyone? She peered closer, tilting her head. No, it's only yourself that you fear. I loved that line a lot. I think it's very telling, and I think that it just was very impactful. Soraya goes off and tries to find a man who, he was once a priest in the temple, and he was arrested for treason, and it turns out that he's a sorcerer, so she thinks that um, he may have some answers, so she goes to find him with Azad. Um, Things between her and Azad seem to be getting a bit more serious in terms of romance stuff. Soraya tells Azad a story about a prince who turned out to be a div um, and him becoming covered in green scales. And she tells him 
that she thinks that this is what will happen to her with her green manes. Azad tells her that she isn't a monster and that um, she isn't small or insignificant. He says that um, he thinks um, she has so much power within her that it scares her and that you can make yourself small on purpose because you don't know what um, you'll become if you ever stop. Uh, yeah, he's like a real charmer, but it's like, I honestly, it felt very off-putting. She does a good job of making um, him feel off-putting. Soraya finds the man who she was looking for. He explains to her that the feather that she's looking for is a part of the royal fire. It protects all of them. She also learns that if she pricks herself with the feather, it will lift the curse. The man kind of hits her over the head and then he starts tying her up and um, he's basically wants to use her to get um, money from the royal family in return. Azad comes in and tries to fight him and it ends up resulting in Soraya touching him and killing him to save Azad. She is very upset about what happened and she goes back and tears her whole rose garden apart and then she wants to go and see uh, Pervana again. She tells her what happened that night and learns that her mother was the one who had cursed her. If a human bathes in the blood of a div, then the human will take on the div's properties. So she only had like a few dot like drops of the blood when she was a child. I find all these like fantasy elements and the system of magic in this story to be so intriguing and so interesting. Soraya goes and finds blood-stained baby blankets and um, they were hidden in her mom's room so she realizes that the div is telling the truth about her. So she goes um, and puts out the fire and gets the feather. Azad helps her get into the temple and then she, you know, puts out the fire and she pricks her finger with the feather and it seems to work. So Azad ends up kissing her, which seemed rather risky for, you know, a girl he just met. He had no clue that that feather actually worked. <laughs> but but we find out why very quickly because he basically turns into a monster and He's the monster specifically from the story that she had read over and over again as a child. He turns into a like scaly monster and I was like, man, I knew there was something off about that guy. Let me tell you, every time I read one of these books where the guy ends up becoming like kind of off or there's something evil about him, I always pick up on the red flags and I always read people later, like people who read that first like Akatar book and have no clue, sorry, spoiler for Akatar, but like when people read that first Akatar book and they're like, I didn't know Tamlin was gonna be evil. I was like, are you serious? I almost stopped reading those books because I couldn't handle him. Anyways, I'm smarter than the rest of you is basically what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm joking. Don't, I'm not saying that. <laughs> I am going to continue to call Azad Azad throughout the rest of this. He does have a different name. It's um the Sham Shaham. I'm sorry. This is why I, I can't pronounce it. So I'm just going to keep calling him Azad. I think that that's the most respectful thing to do is to just call him by um, the other name that I can pronounce. 
But basically he flies up and um, Deves start to enter the city and they're attacking. Um, and basically Azad is saying that he is the rightful heir to the throne and that he's going to take it. Then he tells everyone what Soraya's mother had done and tells them that Soraya was the one who basically put out the fire and that um, she is the one that betrayed them. Everybody starts to bow to him. Soraya and her mother are locked in a room together and she gets the full story of what happened with her curse. She had gone into the woods and saved the girl, but the girl was a div, and the div owed her a debt. Then Azad came and told her mother that he was going to come and take her firstborn daughter and make her his bride. So she had, um, she had Soraya like cursed for her own protection, basically. Soraya's mother, she smashes a window. And Soraya is sent off to go and look for a div with wings um, of an owl that, at her mother's request. She thinks that maybe the div will be able to help them. Soraya makes her way down to the dungeon to speak to the div that is there, and she has the feather that Pervana had asked for. She asks her if she knew about Azad and um, why she didn't tell her, and Pervana explains that Soraya would not have believed her, and that if she told her, then um, he would have come and punished her and her sisters, because he likes to hunt them for sport. We also see that Pervana's wings um, are, they're completely scratched up, and they're like torn, and we learned that this is what Azad had done to her. Soraya ends up using the feather to restore Pervana's wings, and I really like this partnership between the two of them. As she's fixing her wings, there's a little bit of like romantic things that are happening here, and it's the first time that I thought like maybe she was the love interest, and I was getting like kind of excited about it. Soraya is caught, and Pervana, she leaves her, or we think she leaves her. Then Azad is there and he says that he's going to kill her brother in front of everyone. But he is a little bit distracted and decides not to. And he basically says that he's taken a liking to Soraya, so um, she can't be kept in the castle because she'll just escape from there. So he's going to take her away and he scoops her up and everything goes dark. When she wakes up, she doesn't recognize where she is. And Azad comes in but he is looking like Azad again, like a human. She tells him to stop pretending and then he changes into his like monstrous form and she realizes that she is in Mount Azur, the home of the Deves. Basically, Azad is like, you don't have a lock on your door, you're not a prisoner, but she thinks basically she is a prisoner because all of the Deves are there and she wouldn't really be able to walk around freely. We learned that Azad used to be Azad before he became what he is now, and um, he leaves Soraya there and says that um, she should stay in her room for her own safety. Soraya decides to leave the room, obviously. You know, she's very good at, like, walking around tunnels and stuff like that. Um, so she goes to do this, and Adiv finds her and is about to kill her, but... She is saved by Pervana because she can transform into moth. So she actually, in her moth form, traveled all the way there, followed them there. 
So Pervana is going to get her out and she wants the feather because um, it can turn Azad back into his human form so they can kill him. And Sarai doesn't tell Pervana that she doesn't have the feather with her anymore because Azad has it. And this was a pretty big risk on her part, but it ends up working out kind of in her favor. You know, no one really holds this against her, but I was like, when she did that, I was like, Mm, you probably shouldn't lie to like Parvana because she's like your only ally right now. The two girls, um, they hide under a cloak to get out of the mountain. And when they exit the mountain, there's a beautiful bit of writing describing Parvana. She seems to me made of the night. She wore it like a gown draped over her skin that shimmered in the moonlight. I just really like this writing in this book. It's so pretty and yeah, I love the style of writing that she's using. It's it's very like lush and delicate and pretty at times. And I think that that's, you know, the the whole aesthetic of this book. That's how exactly how I would describe the cover. It's exactly how I would describe the writing. It's how I would describe the characters, um, the imagery, everything. It's just very, very um, cohesive. They go to the clearing with um, some cages in it with Pervana's people. The Pariks are there. We learn that Pervana is an outcast from her people and Sarai says that she will get the feather and then basically bring it to them and help Pervana get back to her people. By this point, I really liked the relationship that was forming between um, Sarai and Pervana. It was really interesting to watch it grow. Soraya starts um, to miss her curse for a little bit here. They return to the room and Pervana leaves her. And when um, she leaves Pervana, she thinks even after everything um, she had seen, demons and sorcerers and curses, that there's nothing more astonishing or magical to Sarai than being able to touch Pervana. And I just think that is so cute. I just, I love them so much. <laughs> I also like that the love story, like the romance elements, aren't super overbearing in this book. It's very, I don't know, how do I describe it? Like, it it comes in at like the perfect moments, and then the fantasy elements come back at the perfect moments. So, you there's a really nice balance between romance and fantasy and all of that. So I think I really liked that. We learn that Azad's backstory is that he killed his brothers and his father because his father basically. Um, was told that bad things would happen if um, he was able to rule and so this led his father to kind of uh, you know outcast him from his family and he felt um, shame from his family which is why he ended up betraying them. He used uh, the blood from a div so that it would turn in, into what he is now and he didn't know that it would kind of happen this way. He was tricked by a div and that div is Pervana. Dun dun dun. <laughs> I didn't see this one coming. A lot of the twists and turns in this book I have seen coming, or at least I had an inkling that they were a possibility, but I didn't see this one coming. And, you know, I think like a good twist is always something that when you look back, you're like, oh, of course. And that's kind of how I felt about this. When I looked back, I was like, oh, duh, of course that's what was going to happen. Um, but I just didn't see it coming, so I, I liked that. When Saraya sees Pervana again, they kiss, and then Saraya confronts her about what she learned. 
Parvana explains that um, she like this did happen and that she was like trying to work to undo it. She's basically like, yeah, I did that and it was wrong of me and I'm trying to undo it really hard. Like I'm working really hard to undo it now. Um, Azad has a banquet in Soraya's honor and he tells the Deves that um, she is the reason they were successful in their plan and that she is allowed to walk around the mountain unharmed. Then he brings in um, Ramin bound. Sarai ends up getting mad at him and she kicks him and she loses herself in the moment and then comes back to herself and says that uh, she wants to send him back. And I like these moments where Saraya is worried that she is a monster and that she is evil because she gets angry and has flashes of not doing the right thing. And I think that it makes her character really interesting. And it's like, of course she would have those moments. She's never been around other people and she's never been taught to regulate her emotions um, around other people. So of course, like, it, it makes sense that she would have these moments and then come back to herself and feel ashamed that she doesn't know how to deal with it. Soraya and Azad are together and he looks like Azad again. He asks her to marry him and she says that she needs time. She says that she is a prisoner and she slips up and mentions how the Pariks were imprisoned and he asks her how she knew that because she shouldn't know, which was a pretty big fuck up on her part. This is honestly wasn't like very smart of her. I like Soraya's character, but sometimes she isn't very smart, and I guess it makes sense because I think it makes sense that she would be easily manipulated at times and that she would be a little bit naive because she's never been around people. Soraya has to help him trap Hirvana or else he's going to kill her family one by one. But it did come across as though Paravana kind of knew what was going on and was just acting this way because, you know, I, I think that in the moment you're kind of like, yeah, she kind of seems to know what's happening here. But basically, Soraya doesn't seem to know this, so she's very upset and she cries herself to sleep. When she wakes up, the Deev Parisa is there. This is the one that her mom had gone to to get the curse. She is part of um, Paravana's family. She gives Soraya um, some of Paravana's hair so that she can burn it and see where she is. And when she does this, Soraya sees that she's locked up in the dungeon sleeping. Then she goes and finds a secret passage um, and it has the sea morgue bird in it, chained up, and this bird is a part of her family. It's the bird that basically the feather that all of this has kind of happened from, that feather is from this bird. Soraya basically gets out of there, closes everything up, and then Azad comes in and she has to lie to him and tell him that um, she will kill her brother in front of everyone with him and then he locks Sarai up and leaves her um, to return in the morning and this is basically really bad because she was going to go back and free the bird but she can't and this means that she won't be able to get a feather um, from the bird to kind of kill Azad right so we're not really sure how she's going to be able to do this they begin to take Saraya back to um, her family so that she can kill her brother, and she learns that basically Azad 
um, th only thinks that the Deves rule them. No one can actually rule the Deves. She also learns that the Deves are very interested in her. And I do think that there's um, a bit too much ang ambiguity surrounding the Deves. There are like too many different kinds of Deves and their motivations aren't always clear at times. And like I really like this book, but this is like one thing in it that I think could have been better. I think just having a little bit more of like a through line of what the Deves were and a lot of the details being a little bit more ironed out than what they are. Soraya finds the baby blanket with the Deves blood on it under her bed where she had hidden it um, once she's back in the castle and so she basically takes a bath um, with the blood um, from the blanket. She soaks the blanket in the bath and then soaks in that and she's basically hoping that it will give her her power back um, but it doesn't seem to work and she just pours the bath water out the window. The next morning she sees a rose rose bush has grown and the white roses are actually green from the Deves blood and I love that her roses basically are the thing that saved her because um, you know she destroyed them thinking that she wasn't good enough for them but they are so much a part of her and her story that you know she is like a rose she is the delicate but also dangerous and it all kind of circles back together in that moment when this bush is grown and I just loved that so much. Sarai climbs down the rose bush and then she goes to see Pervana in the dungeon and she explains what happened and Pervana says that she knew that it was all just a plot and that, um, you know, she had to say those things to make sure that Azad knew, um, that would think that um, Sarai was telling the truth and you know, I kind of thought that was coming, but they end up having a romantic moment together and they're just so cute. I love them so much. I can't even explain how much I love them. Soraya tells her about the bird and Pervana says that she will go and rescue it and then return. And during this time, Soraya is getting ready for the execution, which she realizes um, Azad is basically treating like a wedding. Just as Soraya is about to kill her brother, the Seamorg bird flies in with Pervana and the Pariks, and the bird gives Soraya a feather. And then Pervana uses it to turn Azad um, basically back into a human. But he's like slowly turning back into a human. It doesn't happen like right away. So he ends up capturing Soraya's mother and he takes her up into the air and they go up to the roof just as he loses his wings. And so Soraya is like rushing up there to go and get it and Ram Ramin ends up saving Soraya from a div on her way up to the roof, which I think was a really nice little moment for these two who have hated each other their whole the whole book. Um, it's really nice for them to get that this little moment where um, they're kind of on common ground and on the same team again. I think that that was really important for Saraya because he is like the number one person who questions her loyalty and questions her, um, you know, place in the royal family. When she gets the, up to the roof, she sees Azad, who is fully human, and 
she's kind of pricked by the roses and stuff and her poison has returned and she can feel it within her. Azad ends up cutting her mother's throat um, and Soraya surrenders uh, to the poison and transforms and feels whole. She realizes that if she'd kind of allowed this transformation to happen years ago, she could have had the ability to touch while she was um, still having her protection and she feels connected to the plants all around her from this rose bush that has the poison in it. Pervana basically heals her mom with the Seamorg feather so she doesn't die and then her mom ends up killing Azad. Soraya tells the Deves um, to return to their mountain and live in peace and her brother stands by her side um, so that the humans know he supports her and I really like this chapter. It was this like little battle and, you know, everything kind of happens very quickly, but I found that it was paced really well. It wasn't super long, but it also wasn't seem seeming to be like super rushed. And I just felt like it was the perfect like climax for this story. Lale and her brother, they are married. And then her brother basically asks Soraya if she wants to join the court to travel. But Soraya decides that she's going to go with Pervana, who is allowed to join her sisters again. And that's, it's really lovely. But she's going to return um, to the castle once her family is back again after they travel around for their like kind of obligations. So she's got to be with her family, she gets to be with Pervana and the other Deves that she's gotten to know, and I think it's awesome. There is a moment where Pervana is touching Soraya's hand, and the book says uh, she had thought nothing would be more incredible than the simple sensation of touch, but she had been wrong. More incredible still was the idea that she could be dangerous, all her thorns on display and that someone would dare to touch her anyways. Oh my gosh, I just think that this is like a really beautiful like allegory for what it is to be queer. Um, you know, when you're hiding and you're in the closet, you can't imagine just like a simple touch. But then when you're out and you realize like how incredible it is to, you know, have the most feared parts of you visible and have someone embrace that and still love you and, um, you know, just get to be fully yourself. Yeah, I think that it's really beautiful. I honestly think that this book would be so impactful to read when you're young, especially for like a young bi woman to read this. I can't imagine what growing up with this kind of representation would be like. The Seamorg bird comes and offers Soraya a feather to get rid of her poison. She thanks it, but realizes that she doesn't need it anymore. Yeah, so that's the end of the book. There is some some author's notes at the end, so I'm going to just go over a little bit, a couple little bits from the author's notes that I found really interesting. She talks about how this book, um, it comes from her love of fairy tales, but also from myths and legends from her own people. This book takes influence from the Book of Kings, and she talks about how she took influence from different parts of Persian culture. Most of the non-English words are taken from Middle Persian or from Modern Persian. Um, and she goes over a few of the pronunciations. And like I said before, I would just like to apologize. I really did try my best to sort of replicate what I was hearing in the audiobook. But I do realize that I was probably falling short on a number of occasions. She also talks about the creator and the destroyer and how this was influenced from Zoroastrianism. Um, when it came to the Deves, they are a physical and spiritual evil in the world. And I found the part where 
she wrote about the periques really interesting so here is what she had to say about them i'm going to read it directly from the book The Pariks of this novel are the middle ground between the Parika and the Pari. The Parika were malevolent female demons who could take any form and were associated with nighttime. Over time, the Parika evolved into the more romantic Pari or Pari, beautiful winged women similar to fairies who are benevolent towards humanity. I thought it would be interesting to track the progression of the Parika from friend to foe in the novel, and so the Pariks are a little bit of both, which I think really comes across um, in the novel. You really see that throughout the novel, and I thought that was just really, really interesting to know more about the backstory, about where she kind of got the inspiration for that from. There was a bunch of other stuff in the author's notes, but these were the things that I like, kind of stuck out to me as being the most interesting parts. Uh, okay, so final thoughts. I loved this book. I loved the fairy tale elements in it. I loved the characters and the symbolism in this book. And I really loved the romance plotline. And I didn't feel like it was super overbearing. There was a nice balance between the fantasy elements and the romance. And um, yeah, they did a really good job balancing each other out. I loved that the main character is bi and that she kind of goes from liking a guy to a girl with no questions asked at all. And overall, I think that this was a really solid read and I enjoyed it like so much. And yeah, so that's all I have for you guys for this week. I hope you guys enjoyed this. If you have any thoughts, comments, concerns, or feelings, you can send me an email at cauldroncakesandwine at gmail.com or on Instagram. You can find all of our social media on cauldroncakesandwine.com because we are a Cauldron Cakes and Wine podcast. Hopefully you have a lovely day, afternoon, or evening whenever you're listening to this. I'm just so happy that you joined and I will talk to you next week. Bye!